Manhattan Bank has been serving the Gallatin Valley since 1905. Started by local farmers in order to help grow the agriculture industry, Manhattan Bank has since grown into a full-service bank serving the entire valley. With branches in Manhattan, Churchill, Three Forks, and Bozeman, you're never far from your local bank. As banks are consolidating and changing, Manhattan Bank sets themselves apart through consistency and a small-town banking feel. Come see why we have been in the valley for well over 100 years. Stop by the new building in Bozeman, see Justin Skillman and Tyler Dozier for your business banking, and Brad Wimmer for your home loans. Go Cats! Member FDIC. Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletes. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the RNR Catcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley. He's your host, Ryan Thornburg. We are the Ryans of the Big Sky Podcast Network, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky. I screwed it up again. We are the Ryans of the R&R Catcast, the Montana State. Second week in a row. Yeah. Interesting. You did that last week, too. It's like a new pathway in my brain. It's just like, (laughs) uh, I wish that was never forged because now I'm like, oh, that's an interesting path. Let's go down that. Ah, all right. I'll try it one more time. All right. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. And thanks for joining us on another episode of the RNR Catcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley. He's one of your hosts, Ryan Thornburg. We are the Ryans of the RNR Catcast, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. And we are sponsored by Manhattan Bank, taking care of all your banking needs in the Gallatin County. They have four branches over in Bozeman, Churchill, Manhattan, Three Forks, Justin and Company. They're a personal bank and they want to help you out. Good guys over there. Give them a call for all your banking needs. Thorny, we're here, man. It is post-UC Davis game. We're going to preview homecoming against Idaho State. Got a lot to talk, talk about tonight. It was a great win. We'll get right into it. But first, how you doing, buddy? You know, I'm doing all right. It was a good weekend. It was a good Saturday of college football, a late game. Uh, but, you know, I'm not feeling so hot today. A little under the weather. So hopefully I can keep this, uh, keep it interesting for everybody out there and not just like get queasy and bow out. But uh, you know what? Excited to talk some football. Hopefully the beer will help me in my upset stomach. Stomach. Tummick. Stomach. Off to a good start. Can't even say the word stomach. <laughs> What'd you think of the night game? The 25 start on ESPN. I mean, I'm on the West Coast, so not a huge deal to me. It was late, but not like, you know, I wasn't driving back to Great Falls or something after the game. I was more just annoyed with the whole ESPNU situation with the Tulsa, what, Cincinnati game that ran long. And and uh, ESPN just apparently could not uh, get the game to go to any other of their 600 other channels that they could have streamed it on temporarily until the game was over like they have in the past. Very frustrated. Other than that, I don't know. The night game was fine. Probably not something you want to do very often, though. It was a late start. We're kind of used to it as Coug fans because the Cougs always get that late bill on the Pac-12 network. I do love watching the Cats 
in the lights. There's something about that kind of atmosphere on TV. It just shows so well. 21,637 fans. Apparently, that was the second largest crowd at Bobcat Stadium. I don't know if that's true. That was a stat I read one place or another, but it looked really packed. I know my sister was there. She was texting me. She said it was uh, just great, and a couple of our listeners were sending me text messages as well. It looked awesome from from ESPN. So I was I was happy to see the cats sold it out because it was a dreary, wet, cold day, and I was a little bit worried that it would be a poor showing on national TV. But just the opposite, as as usual, the cats fans brought it. Yeah, it looked awesome. It didn't sound that awesome though. I don't think the ESPN crew brought any sort of stadium mics along, so it was very tinny, muted crowd noise, which is kind of lame. Gonna no. know it wasn't lame noise in there. I could just tell that they had a hard time capturing the audience. The so that was kind of disappointing. But yeah, it looked great on TV. Okay. Well, we're gonna break down the UC Davis game and the momentum that Montana State has gained thereafter. That's pretty much the lion's share of our show today. We will also preview the ISU game, the homecoming game that's coming up this Saturday over in Bozeman that we're excited to view. You know, we'll talk about the press conference, the, the FCS stats, and some injury news, and who we're getting back, because we are getting back some players. And of course, we're going to talk about what's in our Golden Cooley bin. We also have quite a few Golden Cooley questions out there, some really good ones that uh, we'll have some good conversation around. Sounds All good. All right, well, <laughs> let's get started. Unless you're waiting for me to say anything. Sounds good. Well, do you have, yeah, do you have anything to say there, Ryan? Sounds good. <laughs> On top of that. Okay. <laughs> good podcasting. Excellent <laughs> content. talk about what's in our golden coolie. What's in your golden coolie? That always lightens the mood up. <laughs> All right. I have the Kilt Lifter by Pike Brewing in Seattle. It is a rich, sweet malt. With a wee bit of smokiness. That's exactly the wording on the can there. You know, it's, it's pretty good. I don't think I've had it before, or maybe I have. It looked familiar, but I couldn't remember what it tasted like. So, you know, if it's mm. been three years, I don't remember what it tastes like. It's basically a new beer, as far as I'm concerned. It's pretty good. Scotch ale. Um, yeah, it's, it's fine. Kilt Lifter could be a much cooler can than it is. It's kind of just a, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. But it, not, it doesn't look anything to do with like kilts or scotch anything, Scottish anything at all to me. It's it's fine. It's pretty good. And my first sip here, definitely not a real strong scotch, which is probably good for the best. I was going to say, beware. Don't have too many of those. I think I had maybe one or two pints of that back when I was a young man living in Nampa, Idaho as a young teacher. That's the only run-in with Kilt Lifter I had, but I do remember it being kind of potent. It's only so, six and a half. That's I have bad. I was coming straight out of college and I wasn't drinking six and a half percent beers at <laughs> that enough. point. We were still drinking a lot of, uh, what did we drink in college? Keystone light. I mean, that was, that was like kind that. of before so, the microbrew things kind of took over and you know, you're still drinking yeah. your, your Keystone light and your Budweiser's and your paps that are all like probably like 4.2 or something. Pretty, that low pretty much. Range. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck on that kilt lifter over there. Uh, I have a corner. 
<laughs> Corner Coast Golden Ale from No Lie. It has this cool little orca. The can is way better than your can. I don't know if you can see that. See, there's a little that is a way better can. The, yeah, this is one. Mine, real quick, is, is one of the ones cool. that looks like they like some dude just randomly put a label on it. It's all like crooked and stuff. It's not like painted <laughs> on the can, like not like graphic on there. It's just like a label someone just like slapped on there. So oh, <laughs> yours is definitely yeah. better. Yeah, No Light does a really good job with their cans. No Light's a brewery out here in Spokane. This is a this is a light beer. This is Golden Ale, four point eight percent alcohol, and I don't think I've ever had it. Uh, picked it up today just for the for the podcast. So, cheers, man! Cheers. Slip right. it back into my golden coolie, dude. There we go. I love it. Hit us up. All right. If you are interested in a golden coolie, you can uh, purchase one. This is probably a good opportunity to mention this. You can purchase one on our Kofi page, which. Sounds kind of like no lie, a little situation there. Uh, Ko-fi.com, our, our cat cast. You can purchase one, kind of a way to support the show. So if you want one or just, you know, shoot us a message, we'll send you one. But also if you want to give us money, also, <laughs> also good. I'm a really good salesman. Yeah, we'll give you one free, but you could buy one if you really wanted to. Really, honestly, your money or Kofi uh, supporters we we really thank you. Your we support goes to yeah goes right back into our podcast. Helps Absolutely. us buy more of these golden coolies and recording and, and um, equipment, all that fun stuff. Yes. Anyways, thank you. Kind of boring stuff to talk about. Okay, well, let's get into. I think let's talk. Uh, let's talk injuries first. Let's just get that out of the way. Press conference news. Big notable is we came out pretty healthy. He said a little bumps and bruises here and there. And other than that, well, a lot is still not cleared. So as of today, as yes. of Monday, October 3rd, a lot has not been cleared. So when this comes to you, he could be, and uh, we don't know, but I'm assuming, I'm just assuming he's not going to be playing this weekend. That would be my not- assumption too, just from what I was hearing and the whole thing with, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Tua, the quarterback for the Dolphins. I don't know his full name. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to the Miami Dolphins football team. But with the whole concussion thing with going on with him, I imagine they'll be a little bit extra cautious for a little bit here. And we honestly, we don't are in no hurry to rush him back at this point. It's Idaho State. No offense to Idaho State, but I think Chambers can handle the Bengals stem to stern. Yeah. And Coach Vegan did give his company line on that today saying, you know, no matter who it is, it's a conference opponent. We would treat it the same, blah, blah, blah. But I think you're right. There is there is just the fact that is Idaho State. Although we seem to struggle with Idaho State. I mean, we put them away, but not like we should. It seems to be kind of a sticky subject for me, at least. Anyways, um, uh, other notables would be we get back Ryland Ort, who is a safety for us. And Coach Vegan sounded pretty excited about that today in his press conference, not holding back a little bit when he talked about he's going to play a lot, and uh, we're looking forward to getting him back on the field. Yeah, that's about the meanest, most uh, critical I've heard Brent Vegan be <laughs> about one of his own players when he was uh, talking to about Reddy Short and Kendrick Bailey. He just said, yeah, mm-hmm. they, they've been okay. That was like yeah. a vegan insult. <laughs> they've been okay. <laughs> But we're really excited to have Ryland Ort back. 
I mean, basically it's saying like, thank goodness he's back because <laughs> it hasn't been good <laughs> sure. enough. It's kind of ha- how you could interpret that. Because Brent Vegan is that Midwest nice. He's not going to say anything mean. So good I, point. I am excited to get Rylan Ort back and we'll talk more about that. But uh, that's big news. And then the other one would be that uh, Sumner was available against UC Davis. I imagine he'll be pretty good to go against Idaho State if necessary. I imagine it'll be kind of a if they need him type situation. But, you know, I think he'll be, you know, I think he should be good to go. I'm, did he, did uh, Vegan talk about him at all during the press conference? I didn't listen to the whole thing. I did, but I kind of was doing other stuff, so I didn't pay attention to everything. You pretty much hit it. Yeah, and they're going to keep it slow with him. They were He was available last week on emergency basis, but he said he hasn't been hit yet. He hasn't fallen on that. He hasn't had any contact with that elbow. So I'd be interested to see what they're going to do with Sumner. Albeit, you know, think about Elijah Elliott. He's been doing really good right now. So I'm not as concerned as I was, was like two weeks ago when everything was falling apart. And Garrett as, Kuhn got some late action at UC Davis too. Yeah. So good to get That's him some cool. live game action because maybe that will increase a little bit and then we can keep Sumner on the shelf for another week. Because you got to start playing the long game here. Well, you mentioned uh, Coach Vegan being kind of uh, harsh on Reddy Short and Kendrick Bailey and him being Midwestern nice. Do you think he, he had his wife make them a hot dish thereafter? <laughs> in a, <laughs> you know, I'm vaguely aware of what a hot dish is. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. I said those things about you. Here's a hot dish. Is that what you're thinking here? Yeah, yeah there's a hot dish. <laughs> Don't feel too bad. A salad, a Midwest All salad, right. just, which has what Cool Whip and fruit Jello. <laughs> hey, that stuff's good. You know that's good. My grandma called that stuff fluff All salad. Right. So we called it. <laughs> All right, we just called it fruit salad in my house. There you go. All righty, FCS stats poll. Not much change on the top half. So North Dakota State still first. South Dakota State still second. Montana. Held on to number three, although Montana got six first place votes. I'd be interested to see who those guys were. Montana State's still number four, holding strong. Sac State's number five, although Sac State did catapult us in the coaches poll. Uh, that one doesn't really count as much. Delaware, coaches number six. Weird. We, I know. Number seven is Weber State. So there you go, four teams in the top 10 from the big sky. Let's see who else came in. I still think Eastern Washington. I like get ranked. 20 or something around there. I don't, I don't have the list up. 24. I mean, 24, there you go. 24, and then getting votes, Idaho. It's getting votes, getting closer to being in the top 25. I thought Idaho was and in the top UC- 25. <laughs> Did those guys over at the Tubsy Club make you believe? No, they were Idaho tweeting it, but it, it may have team. been some other poll, though. It may, may not have been the stats poll, which is the one we... <laughs> We go by on this podcast, but uh, yeah, I mean they're right there though. They're right there. So kudos to Idaho. Well, UC Davis is getting votes, so they dropped out. Yeah, I don't think they were actually in buy or sell Idaho over Davis. So that's a that's a really good question, and I, you know I I thought about that, and I would still say I don't know. I haven't seen enough of Idaho to be honest with you. My gut wa- wants to say UC Davis because I think they're probably better than you think they are. Although I put Idaho ahead in my power poll. Um, I don't know. 
I don't. I just haven't seen enough Idaho to really know if we're going on a matchup. But yeah, that's a non-answer. There you go. What do you got? Well, let me tell you my power rankings. So yeah, let's get into the that base will guy. Answer that question. Uh, Podcast Network power ranking is what you're referring to. Correct. Correct. Uh, I put Sac State number one. So I, that's a departure of the Grizzlies. I put MSU number two. I put U of M number three. Put Weber number four. I did put UC Davis number five and Idaho number six. Eastern seven. Portland State eight. Northern Colorado nine. Cal Poly 10. NAU and then ISU. Man, I punished UC Davis looking back at how I voted. I voted like really late at night, and now I'm looking back at this like, you know, maybe I would change my vote at this very moment. I put UC Davis at like eight. <laughs> I was like, Jeez. they can't throw the ball down the field, and they're, I don't know. They're probably better than I than I thought. We probably made them look worse than I thought they did, but, you know, they're one and four or whatever. So at the end of the day, I put Portland State above them because I was semi-impressed with their victory. At in at the uh, at home against NAU, I guess. Eastern, I have no You're idea where to put four. Eastern man. Just no idea. No, <laughs> they played Florida and Oregon <laughs> as ha- literally half their game. So weird. And then us, yeah. and then Tennessee State, who just lost to a Division two team. So they're one when they're hanging their head on Tennessee State just lost like a D two team. So don't know what they to think. Weber this Eastern. week too. Yeah, it's hard when teams have a bye week when you're doing a poll. A power pole. <laughs> like, how were they last week? Where did I have them last week? So I ended up with, uh, and you're going to roast me for this. You told me you would. Sac State, number one. Um, I've had them in the number one for two weeks in a row after they whooped up on Colorado State. I had the Grizz at number two. Oh, yeah. We were stayed at number three. And then I actually had the Bobcats at number four. Because I, I'm yeah. still very concerned about our defense. If I'm looking at those other three teams, we were State, Jeez. Montana, and Sac State. I don't think any of them have a glaring weakness as glaring as our propensity for big plays and just our overall defense so far. I think we have the biggest hole, but I also think we have the biggest upside. And that's why it's a power pull. If I was doing predictive ranking, I'd I'd be much have that cat probably higher. But right now, like if we want if we played Weaver State or Sac State or Montana like at a neutral field, I'm not sure we win any of those games right now. Because we just haven't got it figured out on defense. It's hard. It's hard. I think number Zach State's four, a clear man. number one number to me. Four. And then two, three, and four yeah. are pretty much like, you know, just take your pick. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was hard. Cats at number four, man. Yeah, that's tough. It's, it's probably me as a fan of the Bobcats being more critical of them than maybe other people would be. Although I think that's exactly how it shook out. Uh, let, me, let me actually read the results here real quick before we actually move on to talk about the game. Uh, oh, geez, that's the wrong. I have to log into my other Twitter account. Goodness. Good content as usual here. All right. Big Sky Podcast Power Rankings came out. Uh, Montana, Sac State, Weber State, Montana State, Idaho, your top five. I don't see how the Grizzlies are I think one. we're better than the Weber. I think we're better than Weber. I don't think they could control our offense, man. Look at the look at Weber and uh, UC Davis game. There's no way Weber could control us right now. How is Sean Chambers running the ball? Maybe I don't know. Weber State's defense is a whole other animal besides from UC Davis's. But yeah, I mean, 
We look pretty unstoppable right now. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy how effective the Bobcats are running the football right now with such limited personnel. It's ridiculous. Well, Coach Vegan talked about it today. He said, and this is something I did not know. Last year, we ran a lot of inside zone. And this year, we're running more outside zone. And so I did like kind of a little Google search on like what's the differences. And the outside zone essentially is taking the running back and moving them around the outside like like it would sound. But where it benefits is it benefits our smaller linemen like our guards who are in typical size and it gets them out in space and it gets them. So they're more athletic or, and they get on the blocks and they seal the edges. And so we are leveraging our smallness, but athleticism with this outside run, <laughs> run zone game. And I thought that was, that's pretty cool. So not the big bodies we had with uh two last year and uh kid. Or Tua, Taylor, Tui Asisopo, uh, Tui, not Tua, you he go, told Tui. me about Tua earlier. But uh, yeah, so just a little scheme change and it's paying some benefits to us. Man, there's so much to talk about. That's I, like, I had a whole thing I want to talk about with House Wright, and I think it's probably a good time to start talking a little bit about that. House Wright's done such a good job adapting to what he has and also adapting to the opponent we're playing. He's still like he's still learning about actual play calling, but I'm, you know, he he works really well with the personnel that he has. He's adaptive. He's not trying to, yeah. you know, he's like, all right, what do I got to work with this week? Who are we playing? Like, put something together. Like, we ran a whole different offensive scheme than what we did last week against Eastern Washington. Like, we did. There's a lot of the stuff that we didn't do last or we did last week that we didn't even see much of this week at all. It's just. It's very interesting mm-hmm. what he, what he's doing. And I think it also makes it hard to figure out a tendency for the Bobcats. He always talk about tendency and tendency breakers. Like this is a big tendency breaking game. And I think it keeps defenses on their toes because they don't really know uh, the game plan or how the Bobcats are going to attack you. They're not, they're not going to run the ball, but how and where and with who? And I don't know. It's it's pretty Holly. interesting. I give, a, I give a lot of credit to House Rate. I think when uh, Tommy gets back, if they put both – Chambers and Malat back in the in the same formation back there. What headache that's going to cause for opposing defensive coordinators? The, it's it's like an embarrassment of riches at that point. It's almost like analogy of like getting so much good stuff. You're going, oh my gosh, what do I got to do with this now? And you just kind of have to organize it in some way that makes sense to you. I don't know. It's that's a good problem to have, and that problem is only going to get more good when we get like Afonze back and Sumner back. Ooh. So we're going to have <laughs> there's a guy, a healthy Malat, a healthy Chambers, a healthy Afonze, a healthy Sumner, and a healthy Elliot. Just, whoa. <laughs> I don't know. Afonze is such a like afterthought anymore. Like, Which is he's weird. such a real dude. I know. <laughs> he's so I think when Afonze comes back, we're going to be back. like, oh yeah. That's right. Oh yeah. That's why he's an All-American. Right. I think it's going to be what, like you just you're gonna instantly remember, assuming he's like you know anywhere back to the same health that he has been. Yeah, but he's a guy you can you know Whoa. you're talking about the outside insides only. So if he's the guy who can make his own holes in the middle, and that's where he's gonna benefit yeah. too, is he's gonna be able to go up the middle. And if we can't block, it doesn't really matter because he's gonna plow into the pile and push him all five yards, six yards anyway. So he's gonna add a whole other mm-hmm. dimension to the offense. Well, 
the he was a better inside zone runner. The outside zone runners typically need more speed. And that's where it benefits the guys we're running right now, like Elijah Elliott. I'm saying that's when he comes back, then it makes it even harder because we can do both now. <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like it's going to make it even more, yeah. the MSU running game even more dynamic because they all have different mm-hmm. strengths. Man, any chance we see a Fonse before, let's say, well, we play Idaho State and then we go to or Weaver comes. No, we have three games. Before we have a buy, any, t- any any chance we see him before the buy? I mean, that's pure speculation. It just seems like that's a no to me. Like I've just heard absolutely nothing indicating he's even close to returning. I'm more wondering if he's even going to play at all. If he's just going to redshirt. Yeah, that thought just crossed my mind. That almost seems more likely to me. Like I'm getting all excited about the prospect of Afonso mm-hmm. in this offense, but in reality, is he even going to see the field this year? I don't know. Like maybe he comes back for Cat Grizz and then he gets to play three more games and still red shirt. Maybe that'd be kind of cool if he's willing to do that. If he wants to play a sixth year of college football or whatever. Yeah. COVID COVID year has been weird. It's been weird. All these old guys hanging around college football. Living the dream. Crazy. As far as I'm concerned. (laughs) (laughs) I was a uh, no hurry to get into the real world type guy myself. It'd be pretty cool to take like three classes like Callahan O'Reilly is right now. I graduated with his mechanical engineering degree and he's taking like just some really fun classes and playing football. That's got to be a fun semester. I took fencing. <laughs> so I, like I'd recommend fencing, billiards, you know, something bowling, whatever they got now. Yeah, I took bowling. <laughs> there you go. Serve me well. All right. So should we actually talk about some of the game that happened on Saturday? I guess so. I guess so. All right. Well, let's do my little stat rundown real quick before we start talking a little bit about the stats, the X's and O's or whatever else we want to talk about. Mainly the impact of the victory, I think is how the conversation might go. But the Bobcats pull away late, win this game 41 to 24 at home against a very hungry UC Davis Aggie team. And we'll talk about that too. Um, Davis, 24 first downs to the Bobcats, 19, but Davis was just five for 15 on third down. The Cats, a little bit better, seven for 15 on third down. Both teams, one for two on fourth down. 476 yards for the Aggies, most of that in the first two and a half quarters. Bobcats, 552 yards of total offense, including 325 on the ground, 227 through the air. Pretty balanced attack when you look at the yardage a little bit, comparatively balanced as far as the Bobcats go, anyway. Uh, Davis ends up with 242 passing yards and 234 rushing yards, so they ran the ball pretty efficiently against the Bobcats, 5.9 yards per carry. Like, that's a pretty good day in the office for any football team. Yeah. But uh, unable to convert a lot of those yards into points, and that was really what killed the Aggies. That and a the one turnover of the game, something that I think the Aggies have been priding themselves on and winning football games on, or maybe I guess the one football game, they won, but something they had been doing well to this point was uh, winning the turnover margin, but they lost this one zero to one, 27 minutes and 38 seconds of uh, time possession for the Aggies and 32, 22 for the Bobcats. You know, the stats don't tell how, I don't know. You look at those stats and you might not think the score was what it was. The yards, you know, the Bobcats had the yards advantage, but not like drastically, but the 24 first downs, 
the penalties with, well, I guess the Bobcats only had two, but I don't, in, in, anyway, you, you wouldn't think that the stat, the, the game was a 17 point loss if you look at the stats only. So interesting uh, stats from this one for sure. Well, MSU had five touchdowns and two field goals. UC Davis only had two touchdowns with three field goals. So their field goal kicker was, well, dare I say it, Stones. It's funny. Like I've heard right. so much bad things about their kicker. People were like worried about their kicker, and he came in and went three for three against the Bobcats. That's pretty good to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a couple individual stats. Chambers, uh, National Player of the Week in the Woo. FCS. Woo! Let's go. Thank you for remembering uh, to say that. 13 of 21, 227 yards, and that was passing. You called it last week. You said like 213 he needed. Was oh, yeah. I said a very weird passing? number. Yeah, I did say like 213 <laughs> or something. A very specifically weird number. <laughs> That's pretty close. <laughs> you were 14 yards <laughs> off, man. That is awesome. And he <laughs> went 18 of uh, – he had 18 uh, rushes, 203 yards. Holy cow, three touchdowns with a long of 78, like second play of the game. Um, that was like what the fifth first player time we've seen in a the passing FCS game. go 200 200? Uh, uh, so who is it? Dalton Sneed did it as well. Yeah, so like the second big sky player, but only like the fifth like FCS player. It's just something yeah. crazy. Pretty, pretty small so, company. Listen to these stats Elijah Elliott, he had 16 carries, 74. Yards with a long of 12. Willie P had one of the most amazing catches I've ever seen. Kind of rivaled the one he had at Sam Houston last year. He had three catches, 63 yards. After missing a surefire catch in his hand, and then he went back-to-back huge catches on an amazing drive. So good for him. Cleveland Thomas came on the board. He had himself his first TD. Uh, three catches, 62 yards, almost exactly like Willie P. Uh, Ravi Alston, two for 46. And then let's see here. Marquis Johnson. I did not see this return. I was in route going home from the brewery when I saw this one. Marquis Johnson, he had a return of 67 yards. He went two for 99. James Campbell had himself an interception. Stones was two for two. Uh, 30 and 33 yards. He banked one in from, I think it was 30 yards. Oh Dude. my gosh. Uh <laughs> Valdez. Valdez, man, that guy. He's I can't say enough about it, but just a little bit about him. He had uh 1.5 tackles for a loss and one sack. I think we had two sacks. Uh Hastings like little flubbed the ball. We pretty much had two sacks. I had a buy or sell last week on three sacks against him. I was impressed that we got to him twice because the the quick pass game was their bread and butter. Danny Yu had himself a game, 10 total. I think you told me Callahan O'Reilly had like 11 yep. uh, tackles. So big game for those guys. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the UC Davis guys. Uh, let's see. Miles Hastings went 20 for 34 for 220. We held him. Uh, we held him pretty good. Like he had what it was like 57 passes or 59 passes the week before against Weber. So he only had 34. Yolanzo Gilliam did go above uh, 100. That was something we talked about. He had 24 carries for 127 yards. He had one touchdown. He threw for a touchdown. Uh, but this was the concerning one to me. The receiver, Justin Kraft, had six catches for 114 yards. He made hay over the middle against us in that soft zone. 
again with a long of 42 or 43 and CJ Hutton six catches for 46 yards. So giving up big chunks big plays again, the penchant of that is the concern for the defense. And we'll talk about that here shortly, but kind of a tale of tapes when you look at our tale of two halves when, when you look at Montana state's defense, but, uh, and there's some individual stats right there. So let's uh, break down the defense a little bit more here. So I actually, if you ha- if you can find it, it's kind of hard to find once the game has ended, but you can find the archived live stats and it lets you do a lot. There's a lot of data there. It's a lot more than you'll ever find on ESPN or anywhere else. You can break it down by quarter, by cumulative quarters, So which is what I did. So UC Davis had... 155 yards of offense in the first quarter, 149 yards of offense in the second quarter, 144 again in the third quarter. So if you're counting at home, that's 448 yards through three quarters. And then they had 28 yards in the fourth quarter. So MSU Mm. finally clamped down. I was also kind of scratching my head at the play calling from UC Davis. They kind of abandoned their passing game and just started trying to run the ball. But, uh, you know, really... Towards the half, second half of the third quarter, towards the end of the third quarter, MSU was finally able to clamp down and get some stops. And, you know, that's really where we pulled away because the offense had some chances to put them away too after these three and outs forced out by the defense and they couldn't do it. It was kind of like, kind of like the uh, Eastern Washington game where the Bobcats had chances to really pull away from this game and they, and they couldn't, they finally did, but they had plenty of chances before that too. So the defense mm-hmm. still giving up big plays. I think I also read stats from there from that that page, and I don't have it in front of me. What they classify as a big play is a passing play over 15 yards, and a rush and a running play over 10 yards, which you know isn't that big. But the point is, UC Davis had 14 of those classified plays according to the stats. So we gave up 14 wow. big plays uh, using those metrics. That's just something that's been haunting the defense all year, and it showed its ugly head quite a bit in this game again. Yeah, I think you're a little bit more down than I am on the defense at this time. I still see a little bit of progress with us, especially on the front lines. I mean, Valdez and Blake Schmidt are really honing their craft up front. I think with your gripes there, Thorny, I think you're more talking about the secondary. Am I wrong? I am not a smart enough football mind to know why. I don't know if the linebackers aren't dropping where they should go. I don't know if the scheme is wrong. I, I don't. It's easy to point to a secondary when passing yards are getting gashed, but I don't know why it's happening. So yeah, it seems like that would fan be you hard. you. Fan view you and I have, it's the middle. It's that middle 15 to 20 yard between the linebackers and the safeties that seems to get us in a lot of trouble. Yes. That and containing the outside runs. We're not setting an edge on the outside very well. No, it still seems to be some over pursuit and maybe some bad reads or gap assignments by the linebackers or even like Ty Okada, they bring him down and he's not always in the right spot. I don't I don't know if that's Ty Okada or if that's uh, Garza's play calling. I, I couldn't tell you, but yes, that's another problem too. And uh, there it is. I had, I'm looking at my actual notes now. There ended up being, I manually counted this, seven plays from UC Davis for over 20 yards just in general. Hmm. I mean, that's 140 yards minimum 
on seven plays. And it was more than that because some of them were yeah. like 40 or 50 yards or whatever. But, you know, it's just a, you know, UC Davis couldn't punch it in. And that was their, well, that was their problem well, against uh, Weaver State, too. If we run into a team that can punch it in, then we're going to be in big, big trouble. So is that, are those two of those plays, one, one is the pass, the halfback pass from Gilliam. And the second one is another one of those plays, the fake punt. That probably is, but then there was the big like forty yard bomb to Justin Kraft where he caught it diving, and if he would if he wouldn't have lost his footing, and then there was the Ulonzo Gilliam touchdown run, which was like thirty four yards to start off the scoring for Davis. Okay, so you're talking like maybe five plays then that are not trickish type of plays. Sure, that's not terrible. It is. That's not terrible. Terrible. <laughs> five plays in a game. I disagree on that. There was probably Think how many we put on UC Davis. Well, I mean, we're 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 statistically in the middle of the Big Sky Conference in every category at the moment, and that is bad for Montana State. Yes, for defense. defense, we're seventh in scoring, okay. sixth in total defense, we're sixth in rushing defense, we're sixth in passing defense, and we're dead last in red zone defense. Opponents score on us ninety two point nine percent of the time when they're in the red zone. Yeah. It's that not is, good. Okay, I, I totally agree. <laughs> that is a concern. I'm just going to play the half glasses full kind of guy right now just to your negativeness over there. I just think that a sign of a good team is we're progressing to get better and better and better. We're going to get Rylan Ort back, and this might be a good time to do the Golden Cooley question about Rylan Ort. He might make a difference. I just... It has to get better, man. It has to get better. That's Coach Vegan's like mantra. It's that the great, way we do things. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I, things will get better, and that's well, things should get better. They could get better. They're, the ceiling is much higher than it's been playing right now, but uh, it just continues to be a problem. And that's where I'm just like, if you're analyzing this from an elite national level, defense isn't there. No, not yet. Not yet. yet. Okay, Bleeding Blue does say, where does Ryland Ort make his presence most known, pass D or run D? How about just uh, stopping big plays defense? <laughs> whether that be a pass play, whether that be a run defense. I'm not like sold that Ryland Ort's going to come in and solve all of our problems, but it, it has to be an no. improvement. It w- he could have some first game kind of malaise. We don't know. He could be... He can take his time. The, I don't know. The weird thing it, is, Ort's not coming off uh, injury. Like, we're used to guys being out to come back from an injury. They've got to get back up to game speed. Like, he's been taking, like, I assume, like, first-team reps pretty much the entire time. I don't know if he's allowed to practice or I have no idea the, this, all that. But, you know, he's not going to have any uh, fatigue or any anything like that, I, I wouldn't think. But, yeah, just getting back up to game speed will take a minute. But it's a good opponent mm-hmm. to do it against. Like, you want, you know... Get him back up to speed against ISU in Northern Colorado is exactly what you want. I keep wondering if it's our scheme having the four two five instead of four three four. With the players we have, it would be nice to have Nolan Askelson, Callahan, and Danny Yu on the team or on the field all at the same time. It's true. The problem is um the coaches haven't shown any uh, confidence in anyone behind them. Like we haven't really seen anybody else come in the linebacker crew. So if you get all three of those guys out, who's subbing in when they get, need a spell like Alex mm. Johnson, 
I agree. Like in a Dell world, like those three guys seem like they should be on the field at the same time, but you know, depth becomes an issue. Yeah. Not a problem. As it is, they can like rotate Askelson and Danny U, keep them kind of fresh. Danny U, I think had one of those better games against UC Davis. I thought, I thought yeah. he, he's had, shown improvement. He has shown big improvement. Like he's flying to the ball a bit better. He's, he's making his reads a little bit better, reading his keys a little bit better. I thought he had a, you know, one of his best games, second leading tackler on the team. Two tackles for loss. Like that was that was a good game from from Danny. You, you literally like he should be getting the most tackles on the team. Like everything's funneled to, towards him, but yeah, his stock's going up right now. He's on the up and up. Okay, so that's. Uh, I guess we can ask Golden Cooley. I want to move on from the defense, but we have one. I see the mixter. The mixter asked us <laughs> if the Bobcat defense doesn't improve and have a good showing against Weber State on October twenty second. Will they ever improve this year? Basically, if we if we haven't seen the improvement we want to see by Weber, is that the ceiling? I would probably that's before the buy fully. Is it yeah? Uh, okay. So since we have a buy, I'll say no, they can still have some improvement after Weber, because there's gonna be a bye week, and that will help. If the buy was already happened, I would change my answer. But um yeah, if we haven't looked better by Weber State, though, that's pretty concerning. That's pretty far into the year. That's three games away, and if it's still the same old, same old that we've been seeing, or roughly the same, you know that that is concerning. It's concerning, but I'm never going to lose hope. Things can always turn around. Take a look at our offense last year when Tommy Malott came into into the picture. There's always hope there, it's Mister. True. There's it's always absolutely hope. true. And all it takes is a few fortuitous plays by the defense, a turnover here, turnover there, and give up a bunch of yards. But if you win the turnover battle. You got to make the plays when it counts. That's really what the main thing comes down to. So I want to uh, I want to talk about some. We actually made a list of key points to talk about this time because we forgot so many things to talk about in our Eastern Washington episode. One thing I want to talk about uh, are some key sequences in this game before we move on to any Idaho State stuff. Uh, some of the key sequences that I thought were just huge in this game, and I want to talk about them: the stupid fake punt from UC Davis, which I'm super mad about. And I was like, get a special teams coordinator. Like I was all like, rah, rah, rah. I've calmed down since then, by the way. But I'm still very mad about that punt fake because, okay, number one, they took the uh, the delay of game on purpose to, to lull us to sleep. Because that's what you do when you want to get more room for your punter. You take a you know, delay of game so they can try and pin you inside the 10. But what makes me mad, and I confirmed this on a replay, and I texted you this. Remember, I texted you. They They had a second penalty. It was a false start. On UC Davis. And I saw, mm-hmm. is it the, the, whatever, the up back, whatever the guy is called that's standing there. And the guy who ended up taking the punt, he like started like moving his hands like he was going to take a snap. And I texted you like, was that going to be a fake? Because they, they called a fake uh, false start on it. And they did it. They did it to the same guy <laughs> that I saw. I was like, that guy, that looked like, that looked like it was going to be a fake punt. And then the next play, it was a fake punt to the guy <laughs> that I thought looked like it was going to fake punt. So me sitting here at home thinking like, that looked like a fake. And then they do it. It's like, yeah, I should have, like, did nobody see that on the Bobcat sideline? Call a timeout to tell your troops, like, hey, look at this. Like, I don't know. That was, that was what was so frustrating to me is because I thought they showed their hand on the inadvertent penalty. They, they've. They did the penalty, the delay of game to kind of lull us to sleep, but they did not mean to do a false start. Guarantee that. And it looked like they showed their hand to me. And then they did it anyway on fourth and like 19 or whatever it was. Oh, 
oh, it makes me so mad. <laughs> and they got 20 or 25 out of it. You're like, come on. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they collided about like one yard before the line to gain. And then they just were able to push the pile like two more yards. I was like, just. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Yeah. But then, you know, James Campbell comes up with his first career interception after that. And good for him. It was fun listening to him in the post-game inter- interviews. <laughs> I had never heard him talk before. And he is such a Bobcat. He, I think he's a six-year guy. Yeah. Campbell, a six-year guy or a fifth-year. I mean, be. he's a he's such a cat. So, so stoked for that. What a big play in a big-time moment. Well, that's why I want to talk about that, because that was a huge play from UC Davis. But we nullified it immediately. Then the very next yeah. play. Yeah. I mean, if, if they were able to punch that in, like the whole game is a whole different scenario. But uh, a huge play from James Campbell. I mean, that was a poor, poor throw and decision by, um, I can't remember his name now, UC Davis quarterback. Hastings, Miles Hastings. I was like, Hunter Hayes? Like, no, that's the injured quarterback for Idaho State because I've been doing research on that. Now I got all sorts of quarterback names in my head. But yes, great play by James Campbell to take the ball back, snatch momentum back in the Bobcat favor. That was my like one of my biggest sequences. And then the one you apparently missed, UC Davis scored their touchdown right off the bat in the third quarter. And they got the point they yeah. got it within three. And they did another trick play, which, you know, I'm not so upset about. They went to line up for an extra point and they f- they faked it and were able to convert it into a two point conversion. And now it's twenty twenty one to twenty four. Again, Davis got the momentum on their side. The ensuing kickoff, Marquis Johnson takes it 67 yards down to like their 23-yard line or something like that. And then two plays later, uh, we score a touchdown. So now it's back up to a 10-point lead. It was such a huge special teams play by Marquis Johnson, like to take that all the way back up after... Who leads the big sky Yeah, in punt returns. He's been a revelation. Kickoff returns. Taco Dollar reads leads the big sky in punt returns. A year a year ago, everybody was talking about, oh man, look at Montana Grizzlies in their special teams. You know who leads the big sky in punt returns and kickoff returns? Your Montana State Bobcats. You do. That's right. Well, you know, and there's an underlying theme in this game, Thorny, that you just keep mentioning. And it's the fact that when UC Davis would have any kind of hint of momentum, Montana State would take it right back. That's one of the biggest things I've noticed in this game that was really a big positive for us. Absolutely. I like I kind of ranted earlier about not being able to put them away, but we did we were very good at counterpunching the entire game. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah. that was really good. And then the, the the third quarter and the fourth quarter was really weird because we kept I kept wanting to put them away. We were flirting with that three score like hey, let's just put them away. And then there was a string of five punts between both teams. <laughs> yeah, a little punt fest. <laughs> I, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so frustrating. You're like, let's just put these guys away. And there, there's a killer instinct there that we don't have quite yet. That's that's true. And we're figuring it out. I think this was, this was a step forward yeah. from Eastern. But, you know, we have a chance to steamroll a team and we just haven't quite done it. We finally did. I mean, we did it later in the fourth quarter against Davis, but, you know, plenty of opportunities to improve in that department. You and I had texted earlier on in the week 
we had talked about UC Davis being a better team than Eastern Washington. And that was confirmed with a couple other text messages I had with some of our listeners. I was like, do you think UC Davis is better? They're like, yeah, I think UC Davis is better. UC Davis needed that game. UC Davis was coming off a really tough schedule. And we were like the last team that was a really challenging team for them. And they needed that win because now they're, their playoff hopes are not dead, but they have to win out, including a game, the Causeway Classic, at the very end of the, in the end of the year against Sac State. UC Davis was desperate, and we took care of them. And that's something that, you know, if looking back on this game, I was really concerned. I thought we would win. Personally, I don't put, put my projections out there. Everybody knows that. I thought we were going to win this game by 14 points. So I was I was tickled pink to see us win by even more than that. And then, um, you know, not have a shootout at the end. I don't feel like Montana State ever felt like we were not going to win this game. I know you and I get a little nervous during this game, sure. but Montana State never really released the momentum. No. You're right. And, and I mean, that's such a good point that the UC Davis was absolutely desperate. They were, they threw everything at us. They had the, the fake punt. Dan Hawkins, man. The trick play touchdown, the Alonzo Gilliam throwing a touchdown pass to their big tight end. I mean, they, they did everything they possibly could to win this football game because they had to have it. And we still, you know, we still took care of business. That's a, that's a hallmark. That's a sign of a really good program and a really good football team. Well, and think about this, Ryan, too. Miles Hastings is leading the big sky in passing. We took care of him. We held him below his average. Uh, let's see. Yolanzo Gilliam, for all your defensive stats out there, he took seven more, seven to ten more snaps than he has in any other game and gained only 20 more yards than he has as a season high. I thought we did pretty good holding their two top players in check right there. Yeah, I... I yeah, yeah. <laughs> we held uh, them both right around their averages, roughly. So, not great, not terrible. I don't know. Uh, I'll, we'll, we'll, it's a work in progress with the defense. We will revisit this conversation probably quite often until the defense uh, shuts me up, basically. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's talk about. Do you want to talk about special teams or do you want to talk? Well, we kind of touched on special teams. Do you want to talk about the impact? There's two There's two key things we have left to talk about, and I'll let you decide how much time we want to spend on them. I mean, we've got to talk about the impact of the win. We talked a little bit about that, um, maybe a little bit already with UC Davis being desperate. But the last one, the other one we got to talk about is Sean Chambers and Tommy Watt. Oh, man. Yeah. like That's, so, that's like the biggest. Uh, let's cover thing. that right now. <laughs> Did Sean Chambers win the starting job is the basic, basic question here. I think so. I think so. Uh, whew, that's such a loaded question, but yeah, I do think so. He just seems to have a better command of the offense. It's just different. He's able to run the, more of an up-tempo offense, and we're able to basically wear down the defense opposing us because of that. Our offensive line is conditioned so well, and it works so well with Sean Chambers' skill set that we are able to just play at some like breakneck speed right now. And it's so fun to watch. When is a, when was Thorny, when's the last time you saw a Montana state quarterback pass for two twenty seven? I don't know. Tucker Rovick. 
I mean, probably Matt McKay, honestly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Mc- McKay had back. a few, few in the two in the mid two hundreds. Yeah, he, but it looked that was different. kind of his. I don't know. It did. It was very dynamic. <laughs> we we were doing things I hadn't seen in a long time. Thorny, do you, I mean, do you think Malat's going to come back and just usurp his role? So it's been such a big debate on the Bobcat Nation right now. Like, you don't just lose your starting job because you're injured. This was Tommy's team last year. It's Tommy's team this year. I don't know how you can ignore what I saw on Saturday against a good yeah. football team in UC Davis. I don't. I haven't seen a Bobcat quarterback command the team, be in such control, and that that's the thing that really just stuck yes. out to me. And Reach. and uh, Sean Chambers mentioned it in the post game press conference. He's like, "This is the first time in my career the game has just slowed down." Now, is that something that? Yeah. It's just a one-time thing. I don't know. It's, that's that's where I land. Is it's a small sample size. What I'd like to see rest Tommy again for Idaho State. You know, keep make sure he's fully good to go. No concussion, hangover, anything bad there. Let Chambers go stem to stern again, and if he can like replicate that or show the same kind of intangibles, the same leadership, the same you know, in command of the offense ability that he had. I don't know how you take that away. It was so successful and it looks so good. If you just analyze it from that, that aspect without all the other noise external, it was someone else's quarterback, like someone else's team before that. Like, how do you just not keep doing that? How do you take that? Like, how do you switch back? Like it was so dominant <laughs> to me. Now he did almost have an interception. <laughs> and I, I do grant that it wasn't perfect. But let's not forget Tommy Malott threw three interceptions at Oregon State. <laughs> like yeah. that wasn't a pretty performance. So I mean, quarterbacks are going to throw interceptions. Like I th- we Montana State fans, I think, are very look at this very differently because ever since Jeff Choate, ever since basically uh uh <laughs> Tucker Rovick kind of came on the scene, Choate valued being conservative and just don't turn the ball over. He'd rather you just get sacked than throw a football that could get picked off. We haven't thrown very many interceptions in, in like four years is what I'm saying. So it's a little, <laughs> we have to readjust our expectations for a quarterback who's going to sling the ball around. You're going to throw some interceptions. It's just, it's going to happen. But other than that, like his, his performance was, was fantastic. And I just don't know how you mess with it. Here's an idea. What do you think about keeping Malott out into the Weber State game? Just letting Chambers go wild the next two games and then come Weber State, roll out the two-quarterback system. I mean, that's not a bad idea. My only concern with that is Tommy is still learning, and now he's like his, his learning progress is being halted by not playing. So that's, I don't know, but that's not a bad game plan, though. If, if Chambers can just keep doing his thing, get him more reps, and then the two-headed monster comes out at Weber State, that could, that could totally be for that. That'd be very Where's confusing. Where's Tommy's best position if he's not playing quarterback so this is golden cooley question from blue and gold blitz he said if chambers does take over qb1 what position do you think tommy is best suited to play other than the quarterback other than the quarterback other than quarterback he has to get on the field and and more than every five to ten plays a game being a gadget quarterback where do you see him especially with an eye towards next year i I honestly don't know uh if tommy can't play quarterback it seems like he's so suited for offense and carrying the ball I don't see him being a defensive player. So do you use him kind of like a, I don't know, kind of like a gadget quarterback, like a Taysom Hill type thing. I don't know. 
Like, I, I don't, he, I don't think he can be a full-time receiver. I don't think he can be a full-time running back. That's, it's, it's a hard question. What, if Tommy can't play quarterback, then what does he do? I kind of let my mind go to the defensive side of the ball, him being the next tag Kata. So did Tommy play defense in college or in high school? Excuse me. He must have. He, I mean, typically everybody in, in small town, smaller town football, in Montana plays all sides. Yeah, he's probably like a safety quarterback of the defense. That would make sense. I don't know. Anyways, I'm looking around. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a hard one. But that, that's the hard part, though. If if you do bench Tommy a lot or whatever, or if you're phasing him out a little bit right now, maybe he's phased out completely. He needs that development. So if you if you take that a year of development away from him, what's Tommy Malott's future? All right. So here's here's what I'm going to end on this question to you, Thorny. Is this a good problem to have or a bad problem? Good. I mean, it has to be good. Why? Because whoever is playing, if they're both playing, it's just it's dynamic. It's 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 going to be a good offense, no matter what's who's out there. Like I'm just I'm I'm very high on the Bobcat offense right now. Very high, highest I've been in a long time. What if this ruins Tommy Malott? <sighs> that would be unfortunate, but I mean. We're so invested in Tommy Lott because of the playoff run he had last year and him being a Butte kid. But it wouldn't be the first time a quarterback's had a good had a good freshman breakout season, had a sophomore slump, and then been replaced and then not played again. That's like that's not an uncommon tale. No. And unfortunately, to me, in the Eastern game, he was having a really solid start. It was. And then he just never was able to get into the groove. And now we're like in the thick of conference play. Who knows what's going to happen? Is Tommy Malott? It's a tough one. I mean, you. this is what you you like to say. Guys who get injured, get injured. Malott's been hurt two times in like, what, 10 games now? Yeah. I mean, that... The, Head injury is different, though. It is. Head injury is a little bit it's different. It's not like he just tweaked his ankle, turned the corner or something weird. But... Fact remains, yeah. is it his style of football? I saw the whole article about like running quarterbacks don't get hurt as often as you think, and blah blah blah. But I mean, it's <laughs> fact. Of the matter is, he's been hurt two times in five games, and I don't know what to tell you on that one. That's why I think it's so important for to have Chambers and Malat both be probably taking snaps, probably be being productive, so that way, if one does go down, the other one's ready to take the reins, like Chambers was on Saturday. Day after the national championship, Sean Chambers committed to Montana State, and I scoffed at it. It's like, what are we doing? Why are we bringing that guy in? Boy, was I wrong. I still think Man, there, was su- guy. there was such a cold take on Bobcat Nation. Somebody said that he came here basically to do nothing but hold the clipboard. He won't see a single snap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to call any not names be out because right? I've had some you know, terrible... <laughs> Terrible predictions over the years too, but that that is like so far off. It's comical. Even before Malat got hurt, he was like leading the country in rushing touchdowns. You know what's the interesting thing about this, and it has nothing to do with football. It's just the way Sean Chambers carries himself. When you watch him in the 
in the interviews, he just looks more like a natural leader. He he's charismatic. He's got that it factor that you kind of talked about. And it shows on the field. Like he was in full command of that offense, full display Saturday night. It was like you were just confident that he was going to get it done. Yeah. And now that may, that might have been the first time I actually thought about that is yeah. just right now. You, yeah, you right? said that. And I'm like, you know what? I was never at any point did I doubt what Sean Chambers was going to do on the field. And that's that's yeah. a rarity for Bobcat quarterbacks. <laughs> like There was a playoff run Good with Tommy point. last year, and then this game with Sean Chambers, and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Maybe Troy Anderson, Jeez. when he was quarterback, running the football, because I'm like, well... Worst case scenario, Troy Anderson is going to bust off a 70-yard touchdown. And that's really about, I mean, there's very small sample size of times that I felt really good about watching a quarterback. Like, he's going to win this game for us. No worries, guys. We got this. Yeah. Not too often. All right. We're well, being a Bobcat fan. To be de- debated, that's going to be a hot topic every week yes. now. And, and now he can't, the worst thing would be like him regressing to a bad Sean Chambers. I don't think that's going to happen. I love the fact he said, and we heard, that, like you said, the game slowed down for me for like maybe the first time in my career. And we hear that with elite athletes. When the game slows down, you're in the zone. That's like, that's the money spot right mm-hmm. there. Can we keep Sean Chambers in the zone? That's the real, that's the million dollar question. I mean, UC Davis didn't do a whole lot to disrupt him. Weber State will. Idaho State. Might not. That happens, man. Watch out. Big Sky Conference is on alert. All right. Well, we got lots of Golden Cooley questions. We still haven't talked to Idaho State. What do you want to do here? Do you want to just knock out Idaho State real quick and then get to Golden Cooley questions? Yeah, let's do that. I mean... Well, no. You know, let's pump the brakes real quick. Okay. We can't We can't end this conversation about UC Davis about without talking about what this means for Montana uh, yes. State. Montana State... The importance of this game cannot be understated. There was, uh, there's a couple games that I circled on our schedule before this. Eastern Washington, UC Davis, Weber, Montana. Those are all huge games for Montana State that we needed to win in order to position us in this playoff race for seedings and everything. We've taken care of the first two. And you know what, Brian? I like to think that we took care of the first two early on in this season as we're maybe statistically coming up on the first part of the season, first half of the season. Can you think about that, Ryan? We're assuming we're going to make the playoffs. So I'm burping through all this. Yeah, this is this really is, bad. You sound fantastic. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can see you over there like, <laughs> doing that, like yeah. put your I'm chin down kind troubles. of yeah, motion. <laughs> So many teams right now are looking at halfway through their football season. <laughs> Just think about that. We would, we, you know, but the point being, so don't focus on that. The point is this Montana state beat Eastern on the road, took care of UC Davis in front of a national televised audience, took care of the, the OCs, except for Oregon state. We thought we'd lose that game anyways, but we're positioning ourselves right now for a playoff run, not only for a playoff run for a seed, for a seed, and uh, I mean, I don't know what I thought. I actually, I'm looking back at my season predictions here, and I had the Bobcats. This is like an episode we tried to record and never actually released, and we never released this as an article. 
So this is all like secret information here, but I'm pulling up my notes here. It's in it's in uh, written down. It is written. Um, I have the Bobcats finishing nine and two, which would be a seed, but I had us losing to to Eastern. So no. we are ahead of my schedule. We are doing better than I anticipated we would be doing here. And you know, what this really does is it eases the pressure for the remaining games, and but maybe more importantly, it, it keeps a prize in the eyes of all the Bobcat players and coaches and, and everybody, I mean, the, the conference championship is still available. We're not just like we lost a game already. And now we got to, you know, we're hoping that we can, uh, someone else slips up or whatever. Uh, we control our own destiny at this point. We went out, mm -hmm. we're conference champions. Like Sac State, I guess could also win out. So, I mean, but the point is we'd be co-champions at, at the worst if we went out. So that I, this was such a huge game because it takes the pressure off of any other games. We've been depleted for numerous reasons, for injuries, for Ryland, like the suspension. We made it through two difficult games, two difficult conference games with all this adversity. And that's only going to pay dividends moving forward in every single possible way. So like, I'm feeling really good about where the Bobcats are. I'm down on the defense, but I'm feeling really good where we are in the standings and the remaining games on the schedule. I'm feeling good. I agree. And the last, the, the, the two hard games we have left, Weber State, the Grizz, home games. Can't wait to play Weber at home. I'm so jacked for that yes. game. <laughs> yes, it's been, been, it's been a while. Ever. Yeah. Can't wait. All right, man. Woo. That's a good discussion. Yeah. That, that, was, was, a good, that was a very important game for Montana State. It was. There was a lot to talk about in that game. There's a lot yeah. of... Uh, overarching stuff to talk about narratives right yeah that's right but let's move into idaho state the bangles okay who are what let's winless do it, man they're winless right <laughs> yeah uh they are <laughs> so we won't need to spend probably a lot of time on this like that i don't want to be disrespectful uh as we try not to be on this podcast uh, but we're also we spend a lot of time talking about uc davis and it's uh 10 15 p.m like ryan and i are both like dads we need to sleep but you know, I think I think Brent Vegan's a little concerned about their passing game. From the press conference I yeah. heard, he's the first thing he said, they have really good wide receivers. Uh headlined by Xavier Gilroy at 6'2, 197. And he looked good against the Grizz. He's the number two leading wide receiver in the big sky on 27 re receptions for 463 yards and three touchdowns. So Idaho State. Yeah. Uh I guess we should recap a little bit of where they were. Like I said, 0 and 5, but they they hung with the Grizz. Now that was a mm -hmm. maybe if you just looked at the score, um, and the game wasn't as close as the score, but the, you know they they made the Grizz sweat a little bit there in Holt Arena. So and with with the, on the heels of their third string quarterback getting his first career start and looking pretty good, Sagan Gronauer or is it Sagan? I don't know. He sounds like a a fighter Sagan. in um, Street Fighter. I think that would be the, the name of a Street Fighter fighter. But six one two oh seven sophomore. <laughs> Third string quarterback to start the year. <laughs> I I was trying to find the information if he's going to get the start again. I assume he is Tyler Vandervall, Vanderwall, Vanderwall. Uh, the starting quarterback for the the Bengals got injured. He like I think he broke his collarbone possibly um, on nine twelve uh, September twelfth. His timetable was four to six weeks. I'm not sure he'll be available yet. And Hunter Hayes got hurt last week against Northern Colorado with an ankle injury. And that's why mm. Gronauer ended up having to come in the game late against Northern Colorado, in which they lost 
uh, handily to Northern Colorado of all teams, but uh, that's going to probably gonna be who's going to be starting. So he looked pretty good and he's got some targets. He's got some weapons. So I think we'll probably give up some big plays to Idaho state. Like that's just kind of, that's where I feel about it right now. And that doesn't make me feel good that I'm saying that, but that's probably going to be the reality of it is they're going to make some plays through the air because they have some talent and uh, Gornauer looks pretty good singing the rock around on Saturday against the Grizz. Yeah, he had 260 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He passed the ball for 44 times. A little bit kind of like uh, Miles Hastings or UC Davis. So you're right, Ryan. I mean, that's where we've struggled. And Montana, uh, any team knows that. I mean, if we can see that, all those offensive coordinators out there are certainly chomping down the bit. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean... uh if you look at the defense side of the ball, um, they have some good talent on that side. I got Charles Ike, 6'3", or 6'2", 232-pound senior linebacker, had an interception against the Grizz, dropping back into coverage. He's a big, thick body. He's the sixth leading tack- tackler in the big sky when you break it down by tackles per game. Keep an eye on him. And then a big boy, Spencer Tatafu. Tatafu. I have no Tatafu. idea. 6'2", 272 Tatafu. sophomore. Yeah. Who's uh, currently the number five in the Big Sky Conference in tackles for loss? So there's a there's just kind of a quick rundown of the talent that Idaho State has. Um, talent? I don't think they're devoid of talent. I, I watched a little bit of the Grizz game. I haven't watched any other Idaho State football this year. They didn't look like they were completely overmatched talent wise. I think they're just having no. a hard time getting the. You know, it's a, it's a new system. They got a new head coach, Charlie Regal, who was a finalist for the for the Bobcat job when it was open and Brent Vegan ended up getting the job, but they're, you know, they're still struggling, but Idaho state struggled for a long time. Now that's just a program that just can't get off the mat. Nah, they're they're They have probably the worst venue Holt arena. It's, they saw some renderings for some been updated. There are some updates. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, lipstick on a did, pig. I feel like, yeah. So, they came to Bozeman last year too. So they were kind of doing the same thing we did with Eastern. Uh, and we struggled with them last year. I think it was like 27, nine. And I think we scored late. Thanks to Troy Anderson or something like that. No, that but, was the, was not the Tommy Malott game where he basically had to come in and kind of win the game. Yeah. Cause I think this was, was like maybe. the beginning of the end for, Matt McKay yeah. when we played uh, Idaho State. Yeah, this was after Anyways, the Weber State game. So Matt McKay, which was just never really the same after that Weber game. And this is this is a classic example of that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's going to be homecoming. Talked about our offense. I think Montana State's going to be able to do enough to get the win. I don't know. It's Idaho State, dude. So It is. I mean, I, I want to say that. I want to have more analysis than that, but at the end of the day, it is Idaho State. Um, Idaho State's only rushing for 2.9 yards per carry. I saw that Ooh. stat. That's pretty bad, but they're pretty balanced in, the, in their play calling, though. They have 178 rushing attempts and 187 passing attempts on the year, mm-hmm. but they haven't had any success running the ball. And they give up a ton of yards. They're number 10. They give up 460 yards per game, and they are currently 11th in the Big Sky Conference out of 12. It, uh, if you're confused how many teams are left in this conference, it's 12 still. In rushing yards, given up per game. So they're second to last in rushing yards, giving up per game, which is a very bad omen when you're going up against a team that's like, <laughs> I'm not sure where the Cats are now. They were number three in the country last Ooh. week. They might be higher now after performance against C. Davis. Top five rushing attack in the nation. 
I just think the Cats are just going to be able to run the ball all over Idaho State. Idaho State might be able to move the ball, get some big chunk plays, maybe score a few points. But I, I just think that the Bobcat rushing attacks can be way too much for ISU to handle. I worry about maybe Chambers, if it is Chambers, throwing an interception or two, kind of letting ISU hang around. But uh, I don't think the Bobcats are going to struggle too much in this game. I can see ISU scoring first, you know, getting a quick lead. It seems to be something that happens. Then Montana us. State, yeah, Montana State burying them later on. But I don't know. When we play these Idaho uh, teams, we tend to stub our toe here and there. And we, we always assume we're going to take care of business more so than we do. Yep. Now, I remember the Idaho State game last year. They were just like very physical. They had a very physical running back, remember? They just mm-hmm. kept running it right up yeah. the gut at us. And I think maybe it might have been a game where Benson was hurt or something like that. They just kept pounding it up and we just couldn't uh, couldn't stop them. Now, once we got up, they, that they still kept doing it once we were up by like two scores because that's all they could do. But <laughs> it's like once we mm-hmm. broke away, like, well, crap. But you know, I, I think as long as we don't give up too many big plays or at least the big plays don't turn into points, at least not on the big play, like maybe they turn into a field goal, that's okay. If we don't get too cute in trying to get the passing game going, House Wright, I think, has had uh, a little bit little bit of that at times this year where he's uh, tried to pass the ball a little bit too much. When like, hey, we're running the ball at like seven yards a carry. Why are we passing the ball? And uh, special teams can keep producing like they have with big plays. Should be a, should be a good Bobcat victory. That would put us, what, at five and one? Five and one, and basically... I still think we need eight wins. Seven's kind of the magic number. The magic number. It just depends on how they come. If you lose your last three games in a row to get to seven, you're not going to make the playoffs. So we're right there, though. That that keeps us right, uh, you know, easily attainable. If we win the games we're supposed to win on the rest of the schedule, we're in the playoffs. All right. And this is one of them. <laughs> yeah, we need this one. We need the next two, really. So, absolutely. Can't lose those. Nope. Can't take anyone for granted. It is right, the Big Sky Conference. It's Division One football. Can't overlook anybody. Let's talk some Golden Coolies and kind of sweep up some leftovers. Uh, Colorado Cat says, Buy or sell Chambers breaks the single season rushing touchdown record. I didn't look it up, so I don't know what this what it is. I'm pretty sure it's you 21 by Troy Anderson, and I think he breaks it. Yeah, I agree with that. It, Is he at he 11? Says the 2022 team breaks the single season rushing yards record. I don't know what it is, but yes, probably. It seems it seems unreal right now. Yeah, hmm. I guess it depends on how far we're going to the playoffs. That's that's you know, stats now include playoff games. They didn't used to. So, I'm not sure what the record is, but it seems pretty likely we'll break that record, whatever it may be. I wish I knew the answer. Didn't do enough research. Sorry, Colorado Cat. The Mixter has a good question. You read one of his, but he says, over under the 22 Bobcat offense with a healthy of Fonse and Malat would score 21 and a half points on a healthy 2021 <laughs> Bobcat defense. I feel like somebody else <laughs> asked us a very similar question. Uh, but uh, 21.5, so that's, a, that's a good over and under. That's That's probably right where I'd put it. I would say... That they would score under. Late season under, early season over. What? (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm too. I'm starting to get pretty tired. I'm not processing what you just said very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to end this. We need to. End we do, but we got too many right. golden coolie questions left. So I feel like uh, we should read them. I, I think that's it, man. No, we got some no, on Twitter. That's it. That's what we got on okay. uh, on the Bobcat Nation. Brendan Henshaw, this is a good what? question that we can kind of knock through. Uh, after last season, we knew Troy was going to get drafted, like before the season started, basically. Do you think we have a future NFL player, uh, NFL draft pick on the roster? And if so, who? Sebastian Valdez. I think Valdez is the obvious choice. I'm not sure I see anybody else right now. But if you would have told me when Lance McCutcheon was a sophomore and junior, he'd be making the NFL, or even uh, Daniel Hardy when he was like a sophomore. Like guys develop, like you don't know. But uh, Sebastian Valdez is the guy that the only guy I think is probably a high probability he'll get drafted or at least get a roster spot. It's a good question. Agreed. Yeah. John Russell. Uh, but that question was from Brendan Henshaw. I said that already. Darn it. John Russell says, asks us comparison of the last NDSU two quarterback offense versus this two QB system. Um, I wanted to look into this a little bit. I, I don't remember. I don't really know how NDSU ran Cam Miller and Quincy Patterson that much last year. Aside from what I saw, it seemed Quincy Patterson was just in there to to run the ball, bruise you, and yeah. that's kind of what Chambers was doing in the in the QB system. But now Chambers has thrown shown his ability to pass. So I would say previously they're probably pretty similar, but uh, going forward, maybe we utilize Chambers' throwing ability a little bit more. I think it has to be yeah. an opportunity to be Cam, more dynamic. Cam Miller's so good at running both what NDSU wants to have. He's such a good passer. He's such a good game manager. Yes. Uh, Chambers needs to, to do the same. I think we just saw the confidence he has last week. Man, if he can continue that, that's just going to be huge. So if the game continues to slow down, like he said for him. Tough question, though. It is. Uh, Danny Kernan on Twitter asks us, do you think it's possible for Sean or Tommy to win all conference honors, assuming they're both healthy? So basically, are they going to cannibalize each other in terms of uh, all conference voting? Man, it's too early for me to tell on that. It's too hard to tell. I think Sean Chambers is probably a lock, but even if he's doing what he was doing when Tommy Lott was healthy, just because he scored so many touchdowns. And was leading the yeah, he's leading the conference right. in rushing yards, but the problem is his quarterback. So, so <laughs> this is the weird Troy Anderson debate when he was the quarterback. Like, do you create a separate category for that kind of stuff? Like, it's it was <laughs> it's so weird. Like, you can't keep the guy who is like second in yardage in rushing yards in the Big Sky Conference and first in touchdowns scored rushing the ball off the all-conference list, even if there's two quarterbacks that threw for like 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. It's it's such a weird, what do you do in this scenario? But yes, I think it's possible for one of them to win it in an all-conference honor. I just don't know who. But Sean, I mean, Malat hasn't really been putting up any big-time stats. So I think, I think it'd be Sean Chambers if it's going to be anybody. Interesting question. Uh, I like it. I think... I think that's it. Yeah. That is it. That's all we got. Oh, man. I'm crashing. <laughs> so we got a lot of feedback about our uh, 
going over an hour, trying to keep things under an hour on our last episode. People reached out to us like, hey, man, just talk as long as you guys want. Part of the reason we don't talk as long as we want, because now it's 1030. Now it's 1030 p.m. We're both tired. Our energy levels are dipping. If we could start recording earlier, I think a longer podcast could be in the works or it makes makes sense. But it's just too long. It's too late. I'm too tired. I don't usually get tired. I'm the one that usually is able to plow through. You're the one that kind of like is like a wind up, wind up toy and once you like the, the wind goes down you're like like energy <laughs> but i'm feeling that right now so is there anything else you want to say about anything else tonight ryan foley do you want to uh i'm good man award i'm, I'm a, ready to go to bed yeah do you want to award a coolie winner before we do that oh yeah i do i wanted to reward mixture he gave us two good questions Those were good. tonight the one on the 2021 bobcats and the 2022 bobcats and then he gave us the one on the Weaver one. If we don't improve before Weaver on the 2022. So, Mixter. Woo! All right, Mixter. I like it. I will send you a coolie and a sticker. It'll be in the mail soon. Get at me. You're going to have to send us an email or an address for that to happen. Yeah, I'll post it on Bobcat Nation. I'll tag them. That's usually how it works. I mean, we got a lot of good questions this week. I appreciate everyone reaching out and sending us some questions. It makes... Uh, Make sure a fun episode for us to answer all the fun questions you guys send us. It makes things a little long, but hey, that's what we're here for. We're here to talk Bobcat football. We're here to be kind of a voice of Bobcat Nation and answer the questions from other Bobcat fans. Thanks, everyone, to listening. Thanks, everyone, to listening. Oh, goodness. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this podcast, for being support, or thanks to all the supporters on Kofi. We appreciate them. Thanks to Manhattan Bank for being our our sponsor, the Dank Bank, as we're calling them. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at rrcatcast. You can find us on the web, rrcatcast.com. You can always email us at rrcatcast at gmail.com. If social media, if Bobcat Nation, if all the other stuff's not your cup of tea. And Ryan Foley, let's get out of here, man. It's it's 1030. Go Cats. Fly your flag. Go Cats. <laughs> Go Cats. <laughs>